everybody, and welcome back to the Be a Dreamcatcher podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Lynn, and oh my goodness, I have a special guest with me today that I, I am just blown away by the credits. He's, you know, ran Hollywood production companies, is now, uh, you know, executive vice president of business with Clicks TV, and not to mention Priscilla Presley's uh, brother. So we have Jeff Beaulieu with us. Jeff, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing fine. Thanks for that nice introduction there. So it's always nice to be uh, mentioned that way. So thank you very much. Glad Ab to be on. Absolutely. Thank you so, so much for being on. This is so exciting. And um, I know when we were talking a little bit off air, um, when we were setting up the interview and all this, I, I kind of gave you a rundown of what this podcast was about. And it's all about being a dream catcher. And from the looks of it, you have done way more than catch your dreams. So clue us in. How did you do this? Let Share all. Share and tell all. Well, I, I tell you... Um it really is a dream catcher experience that the way I describe it, it's sort of like a, a Hollywood type of thing, like just being in the right place at the right time. But it really started off because I was out here in Hollywood and I was doing a bunch of things. I had a chance to be, uh, you know, my sister obviously got me a chance to be an extra on the uh, uh, TV show Dallas. Oh, nice. And and I didn't want to be an actor. I always wanted to be behind the scenes. So I took this as an opportunity to be behind the scenes. Right. So I did that. As she put me up there. It's funny, though, because she said, I want my brother to be front and center on the camera. And all the camera crew were going, no, no, Priscilla, you don't want that to be that way. You want him to be hidden so he can work a lot. Right. Well, I didn't understand what the rules were. And she certainly didn't. She just wanted me to be on camera and have some fun and and whatever, but only to find out that extras don't want to be seen because that way they can be on a ton of shows or the same show over and over again without being recognized. Right. Well, it, so I did, um, and I it worked out. So I got a chance to work on Dynasty, on Love Boat, on Dallas, and on a host of other feature films and TV shows. So it was a great experience, but I just didn't want to do it. I was making great money, Jesse. Yeah. I was making uh, – what do they say? Hand over fist money. Yeah. Just, but, I real, but, yeah. <laughs> I, but I realized I didn't want to be an extra and nothing wrong with it. But what really scared me, though, mm -hmm. if we have time to tell this quick story. Was yes, go ahead. One of my one of my friends came up to me and said, Jeff, this is Richard. And I said, yeah, Richard. No, we're all sitting around. Extras sit around a lot and you're waiting for, you know, hey, background, come over here and do your thing. And then you go back and sit down and they play cards. And I wasn't a card player, but I was sitting down. And Richard says, Jeff, I want to introduce you to David. Oh, hey, David, how you doing? And David says, you know, Jeff, I want to introduce you to my daughter. Hmm. Okay. And I forget what her name was, but let's call her Sandra for whatever reason. Okay, okay. Sandra. And then Sandra says, Jeff, I want you to introduce you to my husband. Well, I was doing this for almost a year, Jesse, just about a year. That scared the heck out of me that, that this generation of people were happy being extras now get don't get me wrong it's a great gig if you can get it and we were making good money like I said but I just couldn't imagine sitting around waiting for somebody to say okay come over here walk behind this actor and then go sit down dress this way for this show right so I quit I up and quit and wow. <laughs> I I got a chance I literally up and quit walked away and I saw uh, uh an advertisement uh for uh, uh 
Haim Saban, I don't know if you know Haim Saban is, I didn't know who he was at the time, mm-hmm. Shuki Levy, yeah. a friend of mine, they said, hey, Jeff, yeah, you'd be great. Can you uh, edit? I said, yeah, I can edit. Well, we don't need an editor right now, but can you run, uh, can you be a, a co-producer on a film? Uh, I said, sure. So on Shuki, on Haim Saban, who was doing Power Rangers and all these other big oh shows. Oh my gosh, yeah. Said, uh, well, we need an assistant, not assistant director, but we need a co-producer and someone who can run transportation. It was one of those independent films. And I said, sure, I can do that. Right. Well, I did. And I was working like for $50 a day. You know, okay, great. I'm going to get behind the camera. And they brought me in and I was doing that. And we were doing great. I was having a ball. I wasn't making any money, but I was learning a lot from the cameraman. Everybody was real nice. Then after the production, they said, Jeff, uh, you know how to edit, you said, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I- I've never edited before. Right. Yeah, never, you just you wing even... it. Fake it till you make it. <laughs> well, they brought me into the edit room, and they said, Jeff, we're uh, doing something completely different. We're editing, we're editing this electronically. Oh, okay? right. Have you ever edited electronically? I said, I think so. Well, you, you'd be the first, Jeff, because none of us have ed- ever edited electronically a feature film. This was way before Avid. Wait, this is back in... 86, 1986. Right. This was all happening. Well, I did it. And then I got into the business that way. And it, one thing after another grew and grew. And they said, Jeff, do you know how to do this? Yeah, sure. So the company I was with was called the Post Group back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And they were on the forefront of everything. And I just got a chance to put my hand on everything. And, and I grew from there. So it was really, yeah, learn by the seat of your pants. Don't say no, work long hours, work hard, get along with everybody. And we made things happen. We had a ball. I mean, that's how I got started. So wow. how about that? That How about that? What a great story. I love the fact. So this is something that's interesting um, that I actually have not had with any of my other guests on, on the show. You know, everyone, I think, kind of knew what they wanted to do. They may have had some hurdles along the way in getting to where they want to get to. Of course, you know, we say in this business, you've, you've never really arrived. Um, and, and I say that anyway, because if, if you stop learning... You've, you've stopped growing. Um, but I love the fact that actually you just actually up and quit a, a great job, as you call it, a great gig, and walked into what you wanted to do, what your heart told you to do. That is just fantastic. I think people let fear sometimes rule their decisions and they settle. So I love the fact that you didn't settle for that, you know, in particular. You're like, oh, this isn't it. This isn't for me. It was scary. And, you know, walking away from easy money and doing that. Yeah, it was. But I just knew in my heart, like you said, that if I get stuck here, I I just can't imagine. Uh, again, no offense to people in the acting business. I think that's the hardest job in the world because you got to sit there and have somebody look at you and say, you're no good for this part. Not because we don't think you're no good, just because well, you're no good. Right. Well, that's, <laughs> exactly. the, you know, so. There you go. Uh, so yeah, I did that, and and it, I'm making it go a lot faster than it was. So I I got through. I got a lot of chances, but it was because you know you had to you had to prove yourself. You know, faking it only goes so far. But it was really everybody put our uh, our nose to the grindstone, if you will, and we all dug in together. But what was nice though, Jesse, mm-hmm. was that I was with a group of people that were that that were really smart. But yet we were all in the same boat. We, we brought these smarts together, and it was this thing of camaraderie 
um, I mean, the first, the second film after uh, uh, working with uh, Haim Saban, it was called Hidden Range. Then it changed its name to Perfect Victim. So if you're out there, you could check it out. Yeah. Um, I, I think I get a credit on there of, of a couple things. But my next film, which I was really proud of, was um, uh, oh my, I just it all of a sudden just escapes me. Jeez, uh, um, I can't. I, train, I was all ready to say. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, but anyway, it was, it was just such an experience that everybody, uh, really came together and just, we were learning so much. I mean, laser disc editing was unheard of and we were coming up with things and working till two or three o'clock in the morning and waking up and showing up at seven o'clock to do it all again. It was just an amazing time back then to really, wow. uh, everybody faked it to make it together, you yeah. know, type of thing. So Absolutely. Lonesome Dove. Uh, oh my gosh oh my gosh one of my favorite movies ever hello oh my god robert duvall and oh i would oh man okay yeah i'm gonna fangirl here for a minute (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely (laughs) i'm gonna briefly fade and we'll return i'm kidding (laughs) that is insane oh my gosh you know that is one thing i have found and and you talked about the, the group of people that you were surrounded by. I, I love touching on this because um, everybody has to have a support system around them. Um, you know, not everybody gets into their career field. And, and I'm talking on a broad spectrum here, folks. So if you're listening, you know, obviously we're talking about TV production and, and all this awesome stuff with movies. But this could be something just as simple if you want to be a school teacher. My Lord, in today's world, you have to have a support system to be a school teacher. I would anyway. <laughs> So I, I love how you touched on that and the fact that y'all learn together. I, I think in today's world, you know, technology's fantastic. You know, we talk about um, the editing process was so different back then than what it is now. It's like, you know, I go in, put this podcast on the computer, a couple clicks, bing, bang, boom, I'm done. And it's a lot different world now than what it was, you know, even just 10 years ago, if, if we're being realistic. But I have found that surrounding yourself with the right support group is probably one of the most important things if you want to climb the ladder. Would would I be right in saying that? Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, the company that I started off in, it was called The Post Group. And we were such an incestuous bunch in a good way. It was, we lived together, we lied together, we laughed together, we cried together, and it was a bunch of people, I mean, of all ages, of all nationality, it didn't, nobody cared. All we knew is that we all sort of knew a lot about what we had to do and we just did it. And we were, again, I don't want to say faking it, but even the manufacturers of this equipment that were coming up, Quantel and uh, the ADO and all these other people, uh, the CMX 6000, this new editing machine that was on laser discs. I mean, the laser discs were popping open and they were asking us, what do we do about this? And we were like, I don't know. (laughs) Somebody came up with the idea of putting laser discs in the sauna that we had a steam room sauna in the, in the, in our facility that nobody used, but someone said, let's put them in the steam room and maybe that'll keep them from separating. Well, okay. And we did it. And then, uh, uh, I can go down the list of names who are all involved in this show because I remember it like it was yesterday. I met my wife at this facility. And no we were, way. like I said, yeah, still together too after that. So. Wow. So. Oh my gosh. That so. is just, wow, that's so amazing. 
it's so to your point yes it's a support system that we all relied on everybody to pull your weight and you, and it was okay to say i don't know what i'm doing because the guy or the woman next to you was sitting there saying i don't know either and <laughs> but but the manufacturer we can't call them up and ask them how to do it because they'll tell us to push button a or they'll tell us to reboot the machinery so okay let's let's fake it together and we did and uh we all grew from that and it was just a as a matter of fact there's about 400 of us that are all going to get together next year in los angeles around february all of everybody who is they they call it the post-production people who were involved in these facilities in the 90s the 90s post-production and we're all going to get together again to relive and and lie about our experiences and (laughs) And state up our, but it was just great. It's just been, you know what? I, I think I could have done something else, but I'm glad I did. You know, That's absolutely, absolutely. Wow, what that is so amazing, and I love the fact that y'all still, y'all still talk y'all communicate still get together and still have a good time that is something again that's very unseen you know there's a commonality here that I have found when when I started this podcast so quick fun little rabbit trail story here um when I started this podcast in in May of you know this year which is uh, 2021 you know I wanted this podcast to be something that would inspire people and encourage them to get out there work hard do their best if they have a dream by George go do it but you know what I have found in in all of the interviews that I have done is there's components of I'm going to say yesteryear that we don't necessarily see all day, every day in today's modern world, quote unquote. Um, the the folks that I have talked to all say what you're saying. There There is a component from years past that a lot of people miss. And, and, and when people ask you, um, well, how have you done all of this? And, and, and my answer to them is, what do you mean? How, do, how have I done all of this? I, I've worked. I've made relationships. I, I've networked. And... They're like, well, you, you you didn't just have this happen overnight. And I'm like, no, none of this does. And and none of us do. I, I have yet to talk to anybody that was a one-night success wonder that lasted decades, uh, period, end of story. So I love the fact that you're touching on that and, and, and being real. Because sometimes I think we take reality out of the real world, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it really does. It really does. It's the whole you know, just living the experience, but going back to what you said about the whole support group, it's, it's not about having a support group. It's how do you make, make that support group with you? If you're looking, I always looked at it as, as somebody's got my back, but only because I've got their back. Right. You, know, you can't always go out there and say, Hey, someone teach me or, or help me. It's almost got to be a two-way street. That's the way it was with everybody. We all just sort of looked at each other and said, "Row, you know, like uh, like on the Jetsons, uh, yeah, the dog. It's like, <laughs> oh well. Yeah. So, so no, none of us wanted to fail because it was, you know, we go down together. So it was. That's the way it was. The support was there because somebody was hoping that you would come up with an idea and we come up with an idea together. So that was the fun of it. I think really for all of us. Wow. 
That's just amazing. So let me ask you this. If you had anything to maybe redo in your life, is there anything or any part of it that you said, you know, maybe that wasn't the greatest decision of my entire life or career? Um, Is there anything that you would have redone or, or relived or, you know, changed? Well, when you say relive, um, yeah, I mean, some of the experiences that we had, it's like, you know, I'm, I don't take drugs, but they always say about drugs, it's the, the high. So when you right. get high the first time, the second time you're doing it, you're chasing the high. You're always trying to get after that first time, and that's what you're looking at. Right. Well, you know what? The high for all of us was being in the edit room or being uh, dailies when the film came in. And we had to transfer it to a, a, a medium. You know, the film would come in and I had to run that and put it all, organize it. And it was the excitement of of that whole, like, Jeff, do you know what you're doing? And I, they just threw this at me. And, and whatever, a lot of us were doing this for the first time. So the excitement of of that and dealing with the people that I was with and then being thrown into executive meetings to explain uh, the status of what we're doing is like you want me to go to all these producers of this movie, Lonesome Dove, and to give them a status report. Right. So, I, I, guys, I'm making ten dollars an hour here. This was back in the, in the, uh, in the, in the, yeah, the mid '80s. That you know it says, oh man. So and yeah, we were making good money. Ten dollars an hour was a lot of money then and now, but right, but. But, you know, you've got people that are presidents of the company, and I, you want me to go do a presentation to these guys? We don't know what to say. You're, you're the one handling the film on a daily basis. Well, oh, God. <laughs> oh, so. my goodness. Yeah, talk about a, a major uh a major load to, to carry. That Wow. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what I found out, though? Mm-hmm. Go it ahead. It was really – it was – there's so many people in the business right. that, that – understand i mean if i were to say hey dailies or rushes and things that to me means i i know i know what i'm talking about but if on the average person you know they don't know but a lot of these producers they didn't know either so i found out that that you know just people just wanted to be you to be honest and and what's going on but they really didn't want to hear problems they didn't really want to know that you had problems or the film was coming in late or you or they didn't even want to hear how great you were organizing all the dailies so the editor had everything from they didn't want to hear that either so it was just really hey guys we're on target everything's looking good your money's safe and the show is safe and that's really what i learned over with was how to read the crowd and and not necessarily what do people want to hear right but you can't flood them you can't you can't give them too much information especially in the TV industry because you start throwing out big words, you can bandoozle them into walking away, going, "Good, they're not going to answer because they don't. They're they're not going to uh, want to say anything because they're too embarrassed to say they don't know what they're talking about." You can always do that, but no, in today's world with the technology, it's just you know what, keep it simple, stupid. Really, that's what I've learned. It's just let's just uh, keep it simple, and we may all make friends and and relationship that way. So. Absolutely. Okay, so I have kind of a fangirl question. Um, so yes. when y'all were working on Lonesome Dove, did you ever get to like talk to Robert Duvall or anybody else in the cast? Or did y'all just kind of really stay behind the scenes and, and work, you know, after all the smoke and mirrors have cleared? No, you know what? Never. They were off all over the country uh, shooting the film. So mm-hmm. they were on location. This was a completely 
location shot uh, miniseries, if you will. So, nope, nice. I was in Hollywood, and we never, uh, nope, never spoke to them. It was just the editing staff wow. and some of the producers. And Suzanne DePass, I don't know if you know who she was. She was executive producer, so we spoke with her. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and there you go. So, nope, never got a chance to talk to them. Well, that's kind of neat in a way in the fact that, I mean, it's, it's amazing of, again, technology, the advancements of, you know, hey, we can be out on, you know, Wyoming or Texas, and we're going to send you all this back to Hollywood and fix it. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's pretty amazing. It would be pretty cool, though, if you had some stories about Robert or any of them. I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd definitely have a fangirl moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I, could, I got stories. I touched a lot of lives with uh, when I was an extra and then then doing music videos. I mean, I met a lot of the stars and and worked with them directly. The Madonnas, the Red Hot oh. Chili Peppers got oh to work gosh. with all these people. And a lot of them were my neighbor oh where my we gosh. lived in in in, uh, in Los Angeles. Amy and I, my wife, uh-huh. we bought a house uh, in Sherman Oaks mm-hmm. and it was the street. It was Sutton Street. And we call this that in the States, you know, because you always, up, you know, make it sound a little better than what, what it is. But it's a great area. Right. But it was it seemed to be the starter home of all these celebrities. The Jonas Brothers lived on our street. Pink lived on our street. Oh, my um, gosh. Melissa. Uh, Melissa. Um, uh, no, not nope. Melissa. Uh, um, Melissa Joan Hart. Oh, uh, yep. She lived on our street. And it was just a plethora of stars that moved in. And when they found out, you know what, we, we're deserving of of a big 10,000 square foot home. Well, then they moved to Malibu after two years or something like that. But it was just a, and we met all these people and they wow. were nice. And I worked with a lot of them. And, and uh, when they found out that I was on their street, you know, it's like, Oh, Jeff, you know, we're working together. How about that? So that so. is too cool. That, so that would almost be like waking up in a dream world of, you know, I guess you could say maybe any person's dream of you wake up and, oh, there's Pink and there's you know, the Jonas Brothers and, oh, yeah, here, just pick, you know, pick what five celebrities you want to live next to you and there you go. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, I also had an opportunity after I was in post-production, I decided to leave again. Oh, man. And I I worked and uh, I, I, believe it or not, I don't know if you've ever heard of Iron Mountain. They're a, a storage company. Yeah. You know, like most doctors and lawyers and, and all types of people store their files or their box storage at Iron Mountain. Mm-hmm. Well, I they hired me because I said, Jeff, we need someone from the TV industry that knows the digital world because we're interested in creating a digital archive for all of these films that we have. Yeah. And I said, oh, sure. You know what? Yeah, I can do that. I didn't know. I mean, it was like, yep, okay, let's do it. Because I was working with all these celebrities. Right. So what I helped do was introduce them to the digital world. They didn't, didn't have a clue. So we built this whole strategy and we built it out. And I went off and started working with the Lakers. I met Jeannie Buss. I was with her and her family oh helping their personal archives. And then we turned that into a whole celebrity archive where I helped build out. So I was working with all these celebrities and their personal archives for, for years until I decided to leave and do something different. Uh, with Iron Mountain, and but Iron Mountain, same thing. Jeff, we don't know what you know. What, Jeff, we don't know what we're doing here, and we don't know what platform to use. So we all got together and and came up with a really good platform. Did our research, and uh, and and when I say faked it, there was nothing bad or nefarious about what we did. It was just like, okay, well, there's nobody else doing this. Let's go out and do it, and we built it. But it was all based on 
we think there's a need for this. Let's go off and talk to clients and with my relationships because, yeah, because I'm who related to, they all trusted me because, well, if you can keep a secret, then we know, and Iron Mountain can keep a secret. Well, right. then we're going to give you all of our personal items and, and Jeff, will you take care of them for us? So I was like, yeah, sure we can. So we did that. So it was interesting. That is too amazing. And, and I mean, okay, so when first of all so myron which put us together and and uh, mm -hmm. he is just a great great all-around guy and he said hey you you need to talk to jeff get him on the podcast i said okay great so when i started doing my research and a little bit of homework linkedin's wonderful i love linkedin and it's just mm -hmm. it's wonderful but my goodness your dead gum resume is literally about six pages long <laughs> i know it's, it's not good for getting a job so well but no it's so amazing because i'm sitting here and i mean obviously we're you know now you're the executive vice president of business development for clicks tv which i do want to talk about that here in a minute because did some research on that too and found out it it has a pretty unique uh characteristic to it but then like you work for black box media um i mean just for digital archives at Fujifilm, I'm just going nuts. And as you just said, Iron Mountain Digital Media Archives, I, I'm blown away. It's just one of those things. I'm like, okay. So if anyone at any, any point has said you, you can't, you know, swap careers or not even careers, but just, I, I guess, interests in your life, they need to look at your resume. <laughs> well, you know, it's true because the archives portion became sort of a passion for me because I was working with these artists right. that were had had films, home movies, and pictures, and 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 other personal items that they all had, and they all, especially in this digital world, it was like we need this real quick, but they didn't know how to get it. You know, several times I've been with my sister, mm -hmm. and she says, Jeff, I want to show you this photograph. I want to use this photograph into something and she's zooming down on her thousand photographs on her phone. I'm going, no, oh, for crying out loud, you know, you need this and you right. can't even find it and you're zooming down on it. I just said, oh, I, I, I'm walking away. Right. So that's when I got involved in the archives because uh, we can help, you know, people want to do their own stories or they want to make their own films or they want to talk to their fans in such a way, but they didn't have access to their own, whole movies, you know, or how right. do you digitize them? How do you get them up there so that I have them? But then, you know, really, how do you keep them safe so that way in this cloud world right. and, and, and keeping them off the Internet, but yet you have to have access to them? So that's where the passion came was to really, uh, you know, make all this stuff accessible to the celebrities, if you will, the artists, so that they could share with the fans. That's Absolutely. what they wanted to do. Wow, that is amazing. So I just mentioned um, Clicks, tra uh, Clicks TV. Uh, got me, got yes. me talking on tracks now. So I'm like, Click mm -hmm. Tracks. And I'm like, no, that's that's what we mm -hmm. use in the studio to help keep time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Tell mm -hmm. us about Clicks TV. So doing some research, I found out it is one of the most unique streaming platforms and one of the fastest growing entertainment streaming platforms. Tell us a little bit about what's included with that and, and how you got involved and, and all of that great stuff. Well, how I got involved was working with, I, I know Ed Sullivan, not the Ed Sullivan that is really great shoe, Ed mm -hmm. Sullivan. Right. And he was at the Post Group where I started back in the mid-80s. He had a company called Pitter Sullivan. So he was working with CBS, and he was really a brand master. His company could take a studio. They took Oprah 
and made her popular. They took Wheel of Fortune, made it popular. So their their whole thing about a show was let's make the show popular. A lot of times people say, come to my network and come to CBS, come to NBC, come to HBO. Well, why? Well, I, I... when I wake up in the morning, I don't think I'm going to go watch CBS. I say, you know, my favorite show is such and such, and it's on Mondays at 8 o'clock. I'm going to whatever channel. I'm not going to the channel. Right. I'm going to go find the show. Right. Where's so that's the show? what they did. So we reconnected because they needed my help with archives. I was working with some celebrities that they were working with. They said, Jeff, we have this thing called Clicks TV. It's really started. It's ground floor, and we'd like you to take a look at it. And I took a look at this thing. I said, wow, this is great. And I said, well, Jeff, you have all these, you know everybody out there. You you know all this content. We need to get content in there. I said, yeah, I can do this. Mm-hmm. I've never gotten content before, but I knew all these people that had content. Right. But So that's how I got involved in it. But Clicks TV is a really cool thing. I'm going to say something, and it means nothing. But think of YouTube, you know, YouTube type of movies. But all of our stuff is curated. It's professionally done. It's really good stuff. But YouTube in the sense that it's only three minutes long. So it's fast. It's entertaining. It really gets to the point. But it gives you an opportunity to see shows that like like Myron. Myron has this great show called Nashville Unwrapped. Mm-hmm. And I want everybody to go to ClixTV, C-L-I-X-T-V.com. And you can get it on your phone. You can get it on your browser, on your PC or your iPad. And and really, it, you just type in uh, Nashville Unwrapped. It will go right to Clicks. And, and that's it. But it's a, it's a way of watching a show and being entertained with no subscription. You don't pay for anything. Actually, I'm going to turn on uh, uh, a little portion of a uh, little part of the app. You're, we're actually going to pay you to watch our programming. Wow. So you're going to get paid. We're going to pay you to... Uh, tell everybody else to watch it and it's all ad supported there's ads but they don't play you know you go down there and there's people that are there's advertisers it could be Ford trucks it could be uh, warbly uh, eyeglasses could be Dell could be anybody but they're sponsoring some of the shows and all we ask you to do is go click on there but you're going to get paid for watching an ad you don't have to but we're going to pay you and if you want to buy something I'm going to pay you to go to that site and buy something so it's really about being entertained, and if you like what you see, then support the sponsors, but just don't support them by buying their products. I'm going to pay you, Heck and it's yeah. exciting. So everybody gets gets entertained, and you can buy things, but we're going to get direct. We're going to take you directly to what you want to buy instead of having to think about, you know, I want a pair of sunglasses. Why do, how do you spell that or whatever? Right. But nope, just go <laughs> right. right there. So clicks. it's a patented platform. Nice. We're also, uh, we have an OTT and we'll be on Roku soon. So we have a long format platform also that you could watch and it's all free and it's all just about really being entertained, but the attention span, you know, everybody says, oh, these kids nowadays are attention span. And when I say kids, it's 18 to 45. Right. (laughs) Right. Everybody says, oh, their attention span is less than three minutes. You know what? Uh, My attention span uh, is... You know, I want to watch something. And if you're watching something on your phone, these are three minute. These are great shows that are all done in three minutes or less that you can walk away with and say, great. And if you want to get paid for advertising, great. If you don't want to watch advertising, don't. But have fun. Watch our shows. So there you go. Wow. What a great business model plan. And oh, I'm excited. I'm going to have to go check this out even more. Uh, (laughs) 
But uh, yeah, I like the fact that you can get paid to watch advertisements or if you don't want to watch them, you know, sometimes you're kind of on a quick go and it's like, no, I just need something really fast just to get my mind off of the 14 bajillion other things that I've been doing. So that is insane. That is absolutely insane. And we're not asking you to come to Clicks TV, by the way. I mean, when you, if you go, our, our, our way to watch Clicks TV is really word of mouth. Once you're on it and you know the go there, yes, great, and come to Clicks TV. But really, it's all about uh, people sharing it amongst themselves, saying, "Hey, you got to go watch this show." Yeah. And don't don't and, and all of our our marketing is not go to Clicks TV. It's really let's go to go, you guys. You got to see Barry uh, Amato on on Clicks TV, or you got to see the Johnny Cash. What the story on Johnny Cash? It's on uh, on Nashville Unwrapped. We yeah. want you to go to Nashville Unwrapped. You click on that, you happen to go to Clicks TV, and it starts to play right away. So I don't want anybody to remember, you know, how do you spell Clicks TV? Is it CLIK? But no, but all for all your fans out there right now, Jesse, yeah, I'd like them to go to CLIXTV.com. But for the most part, no, I want you to just click on a show because that goes back to our roots right. about how we promoted this. I mean, how many times do you wake up in the morning, Jesse, and say, well, like uh, a show on Netflix, let's say uh, Orange is the New Black. Yep. I mean, if you say, hey, come to come to Netflix and watch TV shows, everybody goes, yeah. But it, it takes people about 30 minutes to navigate Netflix to be, what do I want to watch? What do I want? Okay. And how many times have you done that where you go to HBO or you go to Netflix and say, what do I want to watch? Then it becomes a fight. Well, you stop looking for something and pick something already. Right. Is what happens in our house. Yes. But if you say, hey, I'm going to go watch Orange is the New Black, it just so happens to be on Netflix, but you're not really going to Netflix. You're going to Orange is the New Black. It just so happens it's on Netflix. That's what we want people to do with Clicks TV. We want to really promote the shows. And that's why a lot of these producers now, whether it's a feature film or whether TV shows, they're actually designing shows for Clicks TV that we can do two ways. You could watch them in the short form, have some fun. And I don't mean taking an hour-long show and just breaking it up into three-minute pods. Anybody can do that. Right. No, we, we make we make the, the shows that happen on Clicks TV really exciting, and we get to the point with the show. But if you want to watch the longer version, we help promote that, and we tell people, yeah, go watch the longer version on on Clicks TV on Plex because we have a, a channel on Plex TV, and we'll be on Roku, and we'll be on Tubi, and we'll be on Pluto real soon. Or we'll even say, hey, guys, this show's on CBS or it's on HBO or it's on Netflix. So Netflix loves the idea that we're going to help promote shows to make them popular. But if you want to watch sort of an interesting version of it, of that show in, in, in that way and have some fun and get paid, that's what it's all about. So that's what the networks like about us. The fans, if you will, like it because they can actually watch shows and other things that are just fun to watch. I mean, there's cooking shows, there's celebrities doing fishing, there's celebrities doing cooking and Nashville Unwrapped and and uh, other exciting shows that just goes on. There's a ton of categories, health categories, wow. uh, wildlife. It's just a fun place to be, really. Yeah, it sounds like the ultimate playground for TV shows, networks, everything, because it, and for the and for the audience because. It's a pick and choose, and here we go. Let's have some fun, and it's quick, easy, and th- that sounds like my ultimate playground as far as um, 
TV is concerned, because I will say I have definitely been that person that scrolls for about 30 minutes on Netflix or Prime. And I'm like, you know, nothing really looks good. And so let's go over here. And okay, we're picking yeah. something. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I love that idea. That is, wow. I can't, well, I can't wait. I'm going to be going to it. And Great. folks, just for y'all, uh, one more time, that's Clicks TV. That's C-L-I-X and then TV.com. So if you're wanting to go check it out, make sure you write that down with your pen and paper and check it out here a little later. Um, real quick, because I know we're getting close on time and I don't want to keep you too far over. So I'm going to ask you a couple of quick questions and then we're going to wrap things up. And who knows, maybe we can do a follow-up episode a little bit later. Absolutely. All right. Well, here we go. So, first and foremost, what is it like uh, being Priscilla Presley's brother? <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty cool. And you know, for the most time, and I'll keep this short. I mean, but it's it's really something that we never really we were always brought up to. Just hey, this is who we are, guys. It's it it happens to be true. A lot of times, people say, "Oh, it's not true." It's like, okay, I mean. I'm not getting anything out of this. It's just, right. you know, she's my sister and Elvis Presley at the time when he was alive was my brother-in-law. We had fun. So I do have great stories, have great experiences, but so it's great. My sister and I talk on a every few days basis. We're always in touch and, and we're really close, but it was great. It, it afforded me, uh, um, just a, a good, you know, uh, respectful bringing up on how to keep things true. But people really found out, a lot of times people didn't know who I am, uh, that I was related to Elvis. Cause you know, it's like, you know, if I were to come up to you, Jesse right now, or anybody off the street and hear me out on this, but if I come up to you and say, Oh, by the way, my name is Jeff Bordier. And Oh, by the way, Priscilla's my, my sister. It's like, you know what, what a, you know what? So it's like, I've always made it a point, like get to know me and, and have some fun. And when people find out, they're like, well, Jeff, is it true? That's great. And, 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 and I invite questions. So, yeah, shoot, ask the questions. But it's been a great experience being related to the king of rock and roll. My sister's great. We have fun. So, yeah, go ahead. Ask the questions. I love, I, I love that because, you know, so Ronnie McDowell is a good friend of mine. And, um, of course, Ronnie has shared some stories with me about um, – you know, Priscilla and all of that great stuff that uh, took place when he was doing some of the voiceovers and all of that for some of the movie productions. And I'm just like, okay, all I ask is one day I'd love to meet, you know, Priscilla and just say hello and how much respect I have for y'all. <laughs> but it's, it's amazing because, you know, a lot of people, like you just said, if you were to walk up to anybody on the street and say, hey, yeah, by the way, I'm so-and-so and so-and-so, it, they'd be like, uh yeah okay so definitely love the fact that you are all in for being authentically and uniquely you and getting out there and and paving your own way and I love how you talked about the the upbringing of the humble beginnings and I definitely think that's something that's overlooked for success today um how would you st so this is kind of leading into the the next question of um, how important would you say being brought up in a humble home and, and remaining that way has um, contributed to your success throughout the years? Uh, my mother and father were pretty much uh, old school and, you know, from the north, if you will. So it was that they were both raised in Connecticut and my father was in the military. So we were a military family. We moved across. But it was a yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Upbringing. 
and I pass that along to my kids and everything is, you know, I, you know, people out here in Tennessee, I live here in Nashville now, as you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, it's, you know, people out here say, yes, sir, no, ma'am. And I, that, that people out in California say, yeah, well, that's weird to say, no, I mean, that's just a respect thing, you know, it's, and that's just, we were always brought up on the respect so much so that my father, whenever we'd borrow a tool, mm -hmm. he used to always say like a wheelbarrow. You know, just say, here's a wheelbarrow. We need to borrow the neighbor's wheelbarrow. Okay, Jeff, uh, we need to sand this wheelbarrow down and paint it. I said, what do you mean? Let's just return it. Wash it and return it. No, 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 no. Always got to return things better than when you got it. Like, for God's sakes, I would say. Right. This is a pain in the butt. <laughs> well, you know, my son and I borrowed some tools from the neighbor not too long ago. And sure enough, I'm out there. We're scrubbing it. My son was into it. He's like, yeah, he got it. You know, so the same thing. There's a yes, sir. And, and I'm. You know, it's just the, yeah, the humble side of, of yeah, Elvis is our, uh, is my brother-in-law, Priscilla is my sister, and, and that's all well and good, but you know what, that's, that doesn't pay the bills, and that's not who we are, right. we're a part of that, we're proud of it, but no, this is who we are, so that was definitely sort of the, uh, the humble, humble side of it, and being down here in the South, oh yeah, I tell you, I, I just never look back, leaving California, I like California when we lived there, no offense, but being here in the South, it's just uh, my wife and I have not looked back at all. We've just, this is the place for us. Well, we are thrilled to have you in the South and glad you made the move when you did. And I know we're doing this interview by phone today, but hopefully when we do our, you know, secondary one or follow-up interview, maybe it'll be in person in Nash Vegas and we can have a little bit of fun. Now, the third and final question I'm going to ask you is, mm -hmm. can you share with everyone how to connect with you on social media to tag you, all of that great stuff and, and anything else that you would like to add on um, how to get out there and catch your dreams. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I am on Facebook. Um, yeah. For what that matters, it's Jeff Bullier. So yeah, I'd love to hear what all you folks are saying. Love for you folks to go to Clicks TV and see what we're about. And uh, but uh, if you have any questions for me, and God, I'd love to hear from you folks. And uh, just, I just want to thank you for for looking out for me and giving me a chance to to talk and 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 thinking I'm somebody out there or you believing in me that thinking I'm somebody. Cause again, I just, uh, I always think that, uh, I'm always starting off, you know, Hey, we got to get this thing going. So I never think, uh, too big of myself. And you know, the last story about the South, mm -hmm. it's like, it's funny. I always tell people, if you're in a hurry, do not make eye contact with anybody here because no. <laughs> they're going to, they're going to talk to you and they're going to yes, ask you will. how you're doing and everybody <laughs> means it. So, if you're in a hurry and you're at a supermarket, keep your eyes to yourself and look down and just get out of there. Because once you say, how you doing? That person's going to ask, I'm doing fine. How are you doing? And you got to get into a conversation. So that's that just the, so the beauty of truth. it. That is the gospel truth for sure. Mm -hmm. And I know I said the last question was the last one, but actually I thought of my, my, my final last question. Um, mm -hmm. What is one piece of advice that you would give to folks who are getting out there and you know, wanting to catch their dreams, but maybe life circumstances has brought them a, a hard hand or, um, you know, as the good old peer pressures, we like to say, folks just talking badly saying, you can't do that, this, that, and the other. What is one thing you'd tell them? Well, you know, it's being a coach is always easy on the, on the sidelines. You know what they say, you know, it's always easier to coach somebody. So I hope somebody believes me what I'm about to say, but it's, 
you, you know, you got to put fear aside. You just got to do it. And it's hard, uh, like what I did when, in, in, and it paid off, you know, for me. But when I left the extra work, it was like, you know, I'm leaving this thing. I just, I can't see myself doing it. I took a chance. And it just, things, uh, you work hard and you, you just keep your head up and you, you get beat down, but just never, uh, never give up, you know, and just, uh, I think you got to take a chance, Jesse. You just really have to, you know, I mean, you got to be mindful. You know, it's easy for me to see, you know, I was single at the time, but if you have a family and, and you have kids, it's real easy to say, oh, just take a chance, shuck it. But you know what? Sometimes you just got to figure, I, I, yeah, Jesse, it's hard to say, but I think it's just, you can't be afraid. You got to put fear aside. Put Absolutely. fear aside. You know, I was just back up in Nashville a couple of days ago with one of my mentee students from um, Belmont, and one of the meetings I had set up for her and I to, to talk to one of the producers in town that I'm good friends with, he said kind of the same thing. He said, you know, this business and every other career path that you choose, if it's a passion of yours, you have to operate off of faith. You have to operate off of what your heart's telling you to do, not what everybody else is telling you to do. So I really think that's some great advice is, is take the chance, put fear aside, believe in yourself, and get things rocking and rolling. I absolutely love it. That is so true. Well, Jesse, I thank you for saying that, and thank you for believing in me to take the time out of your schedule to uh, allow me to to talk about me. You know, it's always hard to talk about yourself, but uh, um, I surely uh, enjoy answering your questions and, and being a part of your show and talking to your fans. So uh, thank you. Absolutely. And, and I'm going to return the thank you and, and thank you for being on the show as well and for taking time out of your schedule. And I'm looking forward to that, uh, that follow up one that I'm sure we'll schedule later on and uh, catch up with you and all of the great stuff that's going on. And um, folks, you've been listening to the Be a Dreamcatcher podcast. I hope you all have enjoyed it. Be sure to go out, like, share and follow it on Spotify podcast and Apple podcast. You can also find a copy of this episode on my website website, jessylynn.net. Make sure you hang on for the ride because we've got more episodes coming on down the trail. We'll see you guys next time.